So if you would turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10, read some verses of scripture starting at verse 38, Luke 10, starting at verse 38, and then I'm also going to just read one short verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Really wanted to, really, really just, you know, coming to preach somewhere. I had an initial desire to just come in and have something that's real just high-powered and really just, just, you know, something that, you know, there's that carnal side of me that I want to leave that they'll say, man, Brother Lagos preached awesome. But as I begin to pray and seek God, I, if it's okay, I, I, this, this might not be the normal kind of high-powered, just snorting, kicking, preaching. I, if you don't mind, just let the Lord talk to us this morning if we could. Luke 10, 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And then just quickly on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, just simply reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. And if I could just talk to you this morning about God of all comfort. I know we've prayed a lot this morning in worship. Can we just go to him one more time to ask him to have his complete way? Jesus, we love you. We need you here today. God, we need you every day. need you to speak to our hearts, speak to our souls, penetrate every single one of us, Lord, drawing us closer unto you. God, I ask that you would help me to speak the words that you desire, to do the work that you desire here this morning. God, we praise you, we love you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Appreciate brother and sister Buford, appreciate their friendship and kindness. It's not everywhere you go. I and mean, we traveled a lot of churches last year. And, and you know, you, there's some people you just click with and you, you get along with. And you just, it's a, like an instant friendship. And I, and I appreciate the Bufords. As it's, it's that way with them. Hallelujah. So there are many things that we as people, whether you realize it or not, that we use to bring about comfort to ourselves. And many of us use different, different items, but if you think about it as a child, many of us or many, maybe you have children and they have a, a, a blanket or a stuffed animal that they hang on to and it's, it, and that's why they call it like a security blanket or, or if you think about it, the blanket on your bed is called a comforter. And, 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 it, it, and it brings you that security, it brings you that comfort, you hang on to it and the, the children, they, they keep it close to them and it just, it just brings that sense of safety for whatever reason. And for, for us as adults, you know, we don't use, you know, little teddy bears. Well, you might. I don't know. But we don't use teddy bears or blankets. We, we, we do other things. Sometimes there's, there's maybe locations 
such as vacation spots that you just you have planned every year because that's your place. You just need to get away from everything. And when you know when you go there, it's that place of just relaxation, whether it's at some lake or beach or, or wherever it is, and you can just go up maybe in the mountains and just get away from it all, and it just it seems to just relax you and calm you and bring you that comfort. For many of us, probably too many of us, a lot of us use food as a comfort. You know, with women, I've, I've learned and experienced that chocolate is a very good comfort to them. Hallelujah. Valentine's Day is coming up, men, so. For men, you think about it, I was thinking, you know, is there really a comfort food for men? And I said, yes, there has to be. It's got to be bacon. Hallelujah. <laughs> bacon is definitely. If you think about it, men, if you're having a bad day on your job, you're just having a horrible day. And, and your pastor shows up, and he's there to come for you. Just, God put on his heart to come, and because uh, something was going on, and he was there and prayed for you. You know, you'd feel pretty special. But if he came with a plate full of bacon, and that would be awesome. You would feel like, man, God really loves me and cares about me today, and he's thinking of me. Praise the Lord. But there's, there's a lot of comfort food. And co- comfort food itself is defined as that food that gives a sense of well-being, a sense of well-being. Or food that's prepared in a traditional style, having a, and a usually a nostalgic or sentimental appeal. That's why a lot of times at the holidays you start to get that kind of that nostalgic appeal of, of food being cooked because you, you, you tend to cook some of the food that your parents cooked and so on and so forth. And it, and it brings back that, those memories of being a child when, when things are so much easier. Hallelujah. And you, and you know the smells and the tastes and it just kind of just brings that comfort back. That's why they call certain foods comfort food. Now for me, my, my comfort is not necessarily food. I just like a cup of strong, hot black coffee. And that just brings me to my, my comfort place. 2 Corinthians 1.3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. I don't care what you use. I don't care what you find. There is one that is the ultimate comforter for every facet and situation of your life, for every part of being of who you are that will meet and comfort at every level and beyond your expectations. John 14, 26 just simply said, But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, there is a comforter that comes in the form of the Spirit of God. That when you, you yield yourself and you yield everything over to him and, and lay everything down, every sin, every bit of your ways. And his spirit, as is described by John as the comforter, comes unto you. He's the God of all comfort. The other part of the text that I read was a story of Mary and Martha. And it started at Luke 10, verse 38. said, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now the first, right thing, that, first thing Martha did was right. She welcomed Jesus into her home. Welcomed him in. And we all need to do this. Now, I don't care how long you've been living for God. He said, well, I've been living for God since I was five years old. I, we need to do this every single day. We need to welcome him in. 
If you think about, well, I, I, he's been a part of my life all these years. What are you, what are you talking about? You think about if you, you go to someone's house and you're invited over for a time of fellowship and, and fun and food and whatever, some comfort food, hallelujah, and, and you're there and, 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 you're, and you're, you're having a good time. But at some point, you know, if the host of the, of the gathering, they have other things on their mind. They're, they're looking at their watch. They're wanting to get in their night clothes. They're wanting to, they're wanting to go to bed. They have a different agenda. They're, and then there's, there's, sometimes there's that awkward moment. You're not sure. Is it, is it, are we still having fun? What are we doing? What's going on? Is it time? Should we leave? And You know what I'm talking about. The hosts, they have a different agenda. They, they want to go to bed. And I know we're making fun and having a good time. But, but sometimes with us, we welcome Jesus in, but then sometimes we get to points where, well, I've got a different agenda. I've got other things that I, I, I want to do, other things that I'm trying to focus on. And I don't know if it's really lining up to, with what you're doing, Jesus, or what you have in mind, God, but this is, this is where I want to go. But we need, to, we need to just let him just always be welcome, no matter the hour, no matter the day, no matter the season in our life. We have to come to him, God, just be welcomed into me, God, no matter what, no matter what direction. Hallelujah. And then in verse 39, it said, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, Mary didn't, didn't invite him, and Mary didn't, didn't welcome him in, but, but Mary was there taking advantage of everything that Jesus had there in his presence. And it was just like she was just there just soaking it all in. So this is, I don't know, and I don't know if she had a full grasp of who he was at this point in time, but, but she obviously knew there was something special and there was just something wonderful about him and, and the words that he said just seemed to speak life into her heart and she just sat at his feet just listening, taking it all in. Remember those times as a new convert, some of you that have been in this for a while? The time when you first started coming to church, those new convert days where you just felt, was, you were just soaking up the word, everything the, the, the man of God said, you were just, yes, give me more, give me more. It was like coming to church was always a great excitement. Coming to church was almost like every time was just a new adventure of what God was going to do and there was something new. Maybe you're here today and, and you are in that place and you are new and it's just becoming, you're, you're at the place, I just, I just want more and more because you've gotten a hold of what God has. You've got that, like Mary, just sitting at his feet. In Luke 10, 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Man, that was pretty bold. About telling Jesus. Basically, she was ordering Jesus what to do. She told tell him, tell her to help me. It's kind of like, she's like a little, if you have children that are of age that help around the house and do chores, then you know if, if one of them's slacking and not doing something, the other one seems to be working harder. That one that's doing more work in some way, shape, or form, they're going to they're gonna let you know as a parent, hey, I, I, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not, they're not keeping up. I just want you to know. I just, because I'm concerned for them. Yeah, right. And that's almost like what she was doing. She's just like a little kid. Jesus, she's not helping me. I'm doing all this work. She had to be made, had to be made known. It was, it was like an injustice was being done. Now, and I can kind of understand she, they're, they're not kids, and she's an adult, and there's, there's times where there's, there's situations where if the weight's not being pulled equally, it, it's, it's frustrating. 
No doubt within a church of this many, there's, there's a group of people that do a lot more work than others, and there's some that, that do more things, and it, sometimes it can be frustrating, and it, 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 no fault of anyone, of anyone, but that's just kind of the way it is, the nature of the beast. Now, even in different home situations, I, we, we had a, a time where we, and I'll never do it again, but we had a particular relative move in with us because he was in need, and... Um, he was the type that said, yeah, I'm going to get a job. Yeah, I'm going to get a job. Yeah, I'm going to get a job. He never got a job. <laughs> and we had bills, and he was eating some of our food that was for our kids. And so I, I felt like, you know, hey, you're not pulling your own weight here. This, this is unfair. So I, I, I can, in a sense, understand where, where the, the base where Martha was coming from. But, but in this situation in particular, the, the, the one flaw is was that, that, that she had her priorities at this point in time out of line. The, the, Martha's all the things that she needed to do in the serving was, was her top priority. And, and Jesus answered her and said in Luke 10, 41, and Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. It's not that, it's not that her serving wasn't important or, or, or necessary. There, there, there was a place for that. It, it's that her priorities were off key. And, and, and Martha thought that Mary was the problem. Mary thought, Mar, I'm sorry, Martha thought Mary was the one that, that had her priorities and wasn't in the right frame of mind. But Jesus stopped her. He said, no, you're, you're, you're worried and troubled about many, many things. So I believe that Martha thought she would bring about and f- bring about a place of, of peace and bring about a place of, of comfort if, if everything was just perfect when Jesus came, if everything would just line up and I, I'll just take care of everything and make sure everything's perfect. And when, when I do that, everything, I'm going to find you know, my peace. I'm going to find my, my place of comfort. If, if you've ever hosted a party or threw a, a birthday party or any kind of gathering, and, and if, if you've ever been, sometimes you, you, you do those parties and you have those gatherings, whether for your children or whomever, and sometimes it seems like you're just running around the whole time and you never even get to enjoy the party. You don't even know what happened, but you're there making sure everyone else is taken care of. And it just goes by so fast and you're just thinking, if I could, I just need to make sure everything Everything's okay and everything's good. And that's essentially what she was doing. I need to make sure everything's fine. And all times she's missing that Jesus is actually there. She said, if I could just, if I could just make everything perfect, that's, that's, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to focus on. And sometimes we put too much unneeded pressure on ourselves. Way too much that God does not intend for us to do. Do you? Do you realize that God wants you to enjoy your life? He wants you to enjoy. Now, he, he knows that it's not going to say everything's going to be perfect. But in the midst of every difficulty, in the midst of every struggle, he desires for you yet still to enjoy your life. Matthew eleven twenty nine thirty 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burdens light. And if you don't understand what the yoke is, that's what they, they put around the oxen to pull the, the plow and to pull the, to do the work in the field. And, and they say, you, you, you put one on that's heavy. When you feel like you've got to have everything under control and everything going what you need to do, you, you unneedly, unnecessarily put one on you that's so heavy, and you just keep pulling and, and pulling. And if you just take mine... I've got one that's so much lighter. I've got one that's so 
much easier. Instead, we think we need it's. I forget exactly where that I saw it when maybe it's the Philippines or some some other Asian country where during the time of, of Easter, the Passover, there there's some people that will actually carry a heavy cross, and someone will actually go through some of the reenactment of the pains that, that Jesus went through because because they think that's what they need to do. They 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 have to they have to take this pain upon them because Jesus did it, and God that, that's not what He's asking for. We make it sometimes too hard on ourselves, harder than what God wants us to do. And so what do we do? We, we, we stress. We scramble about. We run to and fro trying to, to, to fix everything. We, we overthink everything. We, we overanalyze everything. And we, we think, well, once I can just figure it out, once I can get things figured out, then, then, then everything will be all right. Once I can just figure everything in, in, in my situation and wherever it is, I, once I get it all together, then, then I'll find my peace. Then I'll, then I'll find my comfort. But it, you, you strive and you strive, and that whatever it is you're trying to figure out never comes together. And in trying to make everything perfect, you end up serving a false idea of comfort instead of the God of comfort. Let me say that one more time. In trying to make everything perfect, you begin serving a false idea of comfort instead of the God of comfort. There, there is a difference. You begin to serve something that is not God, an idea that did not come from God, and then you, in essence, begin serving two masters, where in Luke 16, 13, it says, no servant can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and, and despise the other. So there you then begin to try to put everything together and try to serve and, fall, and, and to follow after that false idea of comfort that you have in your mind, and then when God doesn't join in and, and God doesn't help you, you then begin to despise the other and say, God, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you doing this the way that I think I need to boo all this together? And you don't serve that God of comfort. When we, the end of, it was the uh, end of October of last year. And most of you that remember us, we were, as I you know, mentioned, we were traveling country evangelizing, trucking fifth wheel, and pulling and going places, having revival. And it, was, it was awesome. Loved it. A lot of ups and downs. But overall, I, you know, I don't regret it. I love what things that God did. And we were in Texas. Had another seven services left. But at one particular place, and we were just outside of Houston, I, I won't go through all the details of what took place, but basically God just said, it's, it's time to go home. And I was like, What? I got seven services left. I can't. But he, once God makes it clear what He's wanting to do, it wouldn't make any difference if I tried to go forward. It, it was it was His direction, so we did. We we wrapped things up. We got home. Before I, before I actually left there, we did one last service that we felt led to do, and then we were going to head back home. and And during that service, I preached a Sunday morning at the church and had a good move of God, good altar call, and things were kind of wrapping up. and And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just started to move right back into that sanctuary again. And as we began worship and praising him, the, the pastor of that church, who was standing at the pulpit, he looked at me and he said, God's going to give you the direction for the next phase of your life. And he's going to show you. And he's going to show you day by day. And day by day, he will unveil his plans for you. And I thought, oh, that's great. I was like, God's speaking to me. It was wonderful. Then my carnal side is like, really, day by day? <laughs> 
can we maybe do month by month or <laughs> something? And I and I got back. And that's what it was. And I struggled and I fought against. It. I didn't. I I wanted to. I, I initially had my my previous boss wanted me to come back and work for him, and and he would give me flexibility to still travel part time. I said, oh, that's perfect. That's great. So when I got back, uh, learned to find out the company started going through a merger, and and they were put on an indefinite hiring freeze. And I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do? And so immediately I'm thinking, okay, I gotta, I gotta. I got to fix this. I got to figure something out. So I, I just start pouring myself into trying to figure out what to do. And, and all the while, God's just, just standing there just waiting for me. You know, I got to fix this. And God, you're not helping me. I need to, I need to figure out how to, what am I going to do as far as finances? And, and what am I going to do as far as what, what do you want me to do with ministry? What, well, I don't understand. And I'm trying to look into all these different avenues, pouring myself into it. And God's just standing by, just waiting. Until I probably went through this, this mode for about six weeks. Until about mid-December, I finally just got to that point. I said, all right, God. Stay by day. I'll let you lead me. I'll let you show me. I'll quit trying to put every, all the pieces together the way I need to think to. Because I know if I try to do so, it'll just turn up being a mess. Regardless, give it to him. Another time of stress that I had, another time of great calamity I had several years ago. I, I, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine who, who gave me these words that just really stuck with me. And he said, if you are secure in God, in his voice, when you are tempted to stress out, you will find yourself running to God as your comforter rather than comfort as your God. Who are you running to? Are you running to God as your comforter? Even though it might not seem the easiest route, even though it might not seem the easiest way, or are you trying to find the quickest point to get to just that comfort in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul? And there's too much undue anxiety in the children of God today. Do, 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 we, do we keep striving after that, that next level of comfort or the next plateau? And once we get there, we'll think everything will be better. But then what happens? We get there and, oh, then we got to get to another one and another one. And can I tell you that an ideal man-made level of comfort will never come because God did not design for you to find peace in your self-generated comfort, but rather to find peace through him. Hallelujah. I, I I don't always take a lot of stock in all the, there's a lot of contemporary Christian singers and a lot of contemporary Christian music, and some of it's good, some of it's okay, and there's some of it that's kind of weird, to say the least, but every once in a while you find some good stuff. There's one song I remember listening to, and it's just, the lyrics, they just, in, in a time of, of this situation where I'm talking about the God of all comfort, it just speaks so, just so true. And the lyrics of this song, they go like this, and they said, this is where it begins. This is where all the worry ends. This is where I say, I don't need to have control. And you know, God doesn't expect you to. God does not expect you to have to have control. He knows how marred this world is and how crazy everything is. He does not expect you to have everything in control. The song goes on and said, this is where I admit I don't know how to handle it. 
For some of us, that's where we just need to get today. And just quit trying to figure it out as a guy. I don't know how to handle it. I, I don't, God. And it goes on life in all of its chaos. You're my only hope. And, and all that I have to offer is a white flag of surrender. And I tell you, that's all, that's all that God is looking for from you. You think God, God's expecting me to do this and to do that and do this. And all he's just looking for every day is just a white flag. God, I'm surrendering everything. I, I have no idea. But I know through you. I know with you, God. I know with you. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands for just a moment? I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In my study, in a Bible study class that I was taking, a college class, we learned about the kingdom of the Hittites. And there was a time, point in time where the Hittites were a, a very um, well-off uh, empire. And they, had, they, had, they were one of the more, my words are slipping me here, but they were, they were you know, up there. <laughs> and everybody looked to them, and they, and they were very powerful at the time. And, and, and what, what they would do is there were many smaller little kingdoms around where the Hittites ruled and reigned. And, and the Hittites made, made treaties with some of these smaller kingdoms that, that would accept it. And the treaties were called a suzerain vassal treaty. And basically what that meant was the, the, there's two parts, which is defined in the treaty, the suzerain and the vassal. The vassal identified the smaller kingdom. And that smaller kingdom would be the Vassal, and the, and the Hittites would be the suzerain. So if we took just these, you know, you, brother, and you, and Sister Buford, you'd, you'd be like the smaller kingdom. And everybody else here, you'd be all the Hittites. And, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger, they're larger, they could eventually be a threat. But you, you realize how much, of a, how much of a, you know, power they are. And you see some benefit, and you can sign this treaty with them. And join them. You wouldn't have to really change your, your you know, your, your cultures. You wouldn't have to change it. There, was, there would be some things that they would ask. So there would be some, some actual cultural things they would ask you to do. Some, some financial things you'd have to have obligations to. Some, some, some changes in, in the things that you did. Not, not completely, but just some that they had requirements of. And in exchange, the, they would then provide protection. And they would provide a provision in times of need that you had. And that's what the, the kingdoms did. And, and so... If, if an enemy came, and if they were faithful in their treaty and in giving unto the, the Hittites what was asked of them, and if an enemy came to attack this smaller little nation, then the Hittites would come and protect them. And that's what our God is there for. We give unto him just us. And he's there, but sometimes what we do it doesn't make any sense if, if this little nation signed the treaty with the, the, the larger one, the Hittites, and, and, they, and they paid tribute and they did some of the things that they asked them, and an enemy came, and they never called on the Hittites to help them. It wouldn't make any sense. They have the whole army, the whole garrison back there ready to help. They know, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll figure it out. I, pre I know I appreciate that they're there, but we're going to take care of it. And all the while, they're getting beaten. They're getting downtrodden. And that's what we do. We have a God that we've given our lives to. And he's there to help. And he's there to pick us up.
and draw us closer and to give us that comfort. And instead, we, we're busy about trying to make sure everything is perfect. We're busy about trying to take care of every little thing. Quit trying to pretend like you can handle it all. Quit living like you don't need his help. It's what he's here for. Hallelujah. Could we all stand? Musicians would come. Now, in the story that I read in the book of Luke, chapter 10, about Mary and Martha, the very story prior, the story right before this that took place, it was the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of us are probably familiar with that story, just in case you're unfamiliar, just a quick recap. A Samaritan man who was traveling down a road and he got attacked and robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And there, there came a, a priest. He didn't want to mess with them or help him. There came a Levite, didn't want to mess with them or help him. There came other, and, and finally, there, I'm sorry, not a Samaritan, but the Samaritan actually came. The Samaritan was the one that actually came by and saw the man and took him and helped him had compassion on him and, 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 and nursed him to health and, and provided him with a place to stay and food and, and, and was serving this stranger to help him come back to, to, back to restoration from what was needed and, and doing a work. And so here's the story about serving, the story about doing, the story about taking care of those in need. And then right after that is the story of Mary and Martha where Jesus saying, Mary, Mary Martha, you're, you're, you're busy about too many things. You, and he says in verse 42, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So I say that because at first it almost seems like a contradiction. First there's a, a story, Jesus telling how important it is to serve and to help those around you. And then now here's a story where Jesus is saying, your serving is not what you need to be doing. You need to be sitting at my feet and worshiping. And it's not that it's a contradiction. And I believe the author was putting together a pattern for us to see that Jesus wants us to know there is a time to serve. And then there is a time, a needful time, that we just come and sit at his feet. And I think for so many of us throughout the year of 2016, we have served, we have served, we have served, we have moved, we have done, we have worked. And all the while, Jesus is just sitting by waiting. When are you going to come? Sit at my feet. You're trying to put all the things together. You're trying to fit all the pieces together. And you're, and you're doing works that's, that's under the name of the kingdom of God. And all the while, he's waiting. You've got to come to the God of all comfort. So that he can restore and renew you. What I, what I was feeling in the beginning of the service is the Spirit of God began to move in here. Just, he's drawing you closer and closer because he wants you to spend some time just at his feet, not, not coming to him with every single uh, with, with need, but just coming and sitting before him, letting his love wash over us, letting his mercy, letting his spirit, his soul just come over us and renew us. Hallelujah. And I believe that God wants to just reiterate for this year to, to have a time of renewed focus at His feet, in His presence. The God of all comfort is waiting for you to come. Hallelujah. 
want to go ahead and open these altars. And I want to invite everyone to come to find a place, whether kneeling at this altar, whether standing with your hands in the air to Him. And I want you to let God, I'm surrendering everything. I am raising that white flag, God. I'm done trying to figure it all out on my own. I'm, I'm done trying to put all the pieces together. I'm done trying to serve some false idea of comfort. God, I come before you, the God of all comfort. Come on, I believe His presence wants to just sweep in here and, and lift some hearts and lift some minds and take some burdens off your shoulders that you have unnecessarily put upon you. Take those heavy yokes that you thought you had to carry around and replace them with a yoke that's light. God wants to restore a balance. Hallelujah of His presence and take some time at His feet today. Could we pray? Could we reach out to him right now in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, just talk to him. Let him know. I, I need you, Jesus.